Hey, where are you going, Jim? The elevator's over here. Taking the stairs. But our meeting's up on 8. Yeah, I know. But that's eight floors up. That's like eight times eight. I don't A lot of stairs. That's the point. I've already lost a few pounds and earned almost $100 in wellness incentives. Whoa, you're getting rewarded for working out? Yeah, I know. I'm just as surprised as you are, Bob. Fearless is full of surprises. That's the power of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Federal Employee Program. Learn more about our healthy benefits and sign up at fepblue.org slash choose blue by December 11th. On Dolphins, your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What's up, Dolphins, and welcome into the Victory Monday edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast brought to you by mybookie.ag. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I'm here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And I don't want to bury the lead on you guys whatsoever. So before anything else, let's jump right into the main story here today. And on a day where the Dolphins get themselves to 2-2, two and two, they pulled within a half game of division-leading Buffalo, New York, and New England, believe it or not. And the defense was positively dazzling. The big story of the day, it leaked literally 10 minutes ago before I hopped on the podcast getting ready to record is the leaking of a video that alleges Miami Dolphins offensive line coach Chris Forrester doing lines of illegal drugs of cocaine in his office before a team meeting that he apparently sent to a female escort who then leaked the video onto Facebook, Twitter, Reddit, everywhere you can imagine, and it's currently making its rounds as the Dolphins return to their favorite position in the National Football League as one of the biggest laughing stocks. Again, this time with another story that comes completely out of left field, a coach that has been highly regarded across the league. The Dolphins have blocked several teams from interviewing him for you know promotional or, or I guess, lateral movements. So this is a guy that is coveted around the league, and he... I mean, this obviously isn't his first time doing this. If it is, I apologize, I suppose. But I, I would be one to assume that this is a, a thing for him. You don't just do it one time randomly. So he's in his office during before team meetings as he's doing his personal time thing or whatever. And there's even an accusation years ago about him watching inappropriate for work videos at his office and doing inappropriate things to himself during these inappropriate video viewings. So... I don't know. As you can tell my tone, I'm kind of at a loss for words with this whole thing, but that's where we are right now with this team. The offensive line has been a bit of a train wreck for several years. As you guys all know, this guy has been in charge of it for a few years with, or since Adam Gaze got here, I should say with two years under his belt with the Dolphins. And it's just kind of hard to believe. I mean, these guys work long hours. It's stressful work and it's a, it's a long day, but I, just, I can't I can't imagine that being something that leads to success in this business. I, I don't know, guys. I'm at a loss for words. Let's just move on. But that's the lead story of the day. Alleged video of Chris Forrester, Miami Dolphins offensive line coach, doing illegal drugs in his office at the facility in Davie, Florida. But anyway, 
on today's show, guys. We take five instant takeaways from the Dolphins' victory over the Tennessee Titans. We open up the Twitter mailbag for your guys' questions, and we take a snapshot of this team at the quarter poll. Four games down, 12 to go. Where is this team at as the first quarter of the season comes to an end? But first, as you guys know by now, I have to remind you to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Tuned In, or wherever you get your podcast from. Go ahead and drop us a five-star rating, write us a nice little review. Those subscriptions, ratings, reviews, those are how podcasters are judged. The more we get, the higher we go up, up the iTunes chart. The more it exposes us to more Dolphins around the country, around the world. It helps the show with more support, and we definitely appreciate that support from you guys. So please go ahead and do that if you haven't already. Also, don't forget to check out the Locked On Sports family of podcasts, including the Locked On NFL podcast and Locked On Heat podcast for local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Lastly, follow me on Twitter at WingfieldNFL for my game day takes as well as throughout the course of the week. Every Tuesday, I tweet out the... Uh, the, the GIF reel of the film review that I do on Tuesdays. Follow the show at Locked on Fins and check out my website, thirdand10.com. The week four quarterback grades are currently up week five, coming very soon. And speaking of those reviews you leave on iTunes, I have an opportunity for you guys to win yourselves a free pro football focused edge subscription. That's a $40 value and you can win one for free by going into the iTunes on the Locked On Dolphins podcast review section and writing us a nice review. Leave your Twitter handle in there. Pro Football Focus is the premier website for all things player grades, snap counts, positional ranks. They have fantasy projections, rankings, tools, and charts, NFL draft coverage with PFF profiles and stats, team and player pages featuring PFF stats. The Miami Dolphins page is excellent. Highly, highly recommend it for you guys. And if you go ahead and leave your Twitter handle with a review on this podcast, you have a chance to win yourself a free PFF edge subscription. That's profootballfocus.com. All right, guys, let's go ahead and jump right into the five takeaways from the game on Sunday as the Dolphins beat the Tennessee Titans 16-10 at Hard Rock Stadium. It was the first home game of the year for the Dolphins. I think they kind of relished in that a little bit. The crowd didn't seem too energized, but I don't know that you can blame them coming off of these offensive performances. Obviously, the we want more chance rain down for most of the entire game as Jay Cutler and the offense struggles again. But I'm not going to harp on the negative too much here in the, at the top. I'm sure you guys expect a little bit of a negative uh, takeaway at least from the first one, but I'm going to go on the positive side because I'm encouraged about this team this year and what they can become in the future. And I was thinking about doing the defense as a whole, as a group, but I'm going to go ahead and start with the one guy that really stood out in this game and a guy that we've all been aching to see get back to his regular form, his all pro form. And I think he started to do it last week against New Orleans. And this week he absolutely did it with two fumble recoveries, one for a touchdown, multiple tackles for loss. He was everywhere in the secondary, almost got himself an interception. I'm talking, of course, about team leader Rashad Jones, the safety number 20 for the Miami Dolphins, had a fantastic game in this one. He was all over the place playing at the line of scrimmage, playing deep in center field, playing a quasi-linebacker role. He was blitzing, he was covering, he was playing the run. Just an outstanding game from Rashad. The reason you give him that big money, the reason you give him that Eric Berry type of money, he earned his paycheck in this game by every stretch of the imagination. That fumble recovery he took back to the end zone for a touchdown. If he doesn't continue his effort there and he just kind of picks the ball up and you know throws it on the ground or whatever, they're going to get the football. The Dolphins offense will get the football back when they review that play and they give him the fumble there because the ball was you know, dislodged from Matt Castle's hand before it came forward. But if he doesn't pick it up and take it back to the house, the officials are not going to confer and think about it and, and rule a touchdown on the field, which I think ultimately allowed the Dolphins to get that result rather than from the replay. Because if, if they give him the replay version of it and he just stands there, you can't give a team a touchdown for that. So fantastic effort, great job of being aware of the situation and just playing great football. Rashad Jones, number one takeaway, all pro is back in form. 
And number two, I alluded to it a little bit off the top of this segment here. It's the defense as a whole and just kind of taking inventory of what this team has on defense. And you have to be really, really encouraged about it. And with coming into the year, I was, <laughs> you know, I couldn't really have been more wrong as I talked about this team being an offensive juggernaut that scored a lot of points. Even when Ryan Tannehill went out, I thought they would focus their or change their focus and their identity to more of a running team and that Jay Ajayi would be a, an absolute unstoppable beast like he has been in the past. And he's still the second in the league in yards after contact, so don't give up on Jay Ajayi yet. But I thought that defense was going to be the group that struggled big time and kept this team from going anywhere, even with Tannehill in the lineup. And it hasn't been the case at all. You go from 17 points against the Chargers, 20 against the Jets, and with the offensive futility that they had in that game, that's even more impressive. 20 against the Saints, same story. And then 10 to the Titans today. And three of those coming off of a quick turnover where the, the Dolphins offense put the, the Titans defense, or the Dolphins offense with the Titans offense in position to score points right away with a quick drive there. So just a fantastic effort from that defense. Devon Godshow is a, is a home run draft pick at this point. I know it's only four games, but through four games, you could not ask for more from another fifth round home run for the Miami Dolphins. Lawrence Timmons looks like a man possessed. He is playing fantastic football, has been every bit of the addition you'd hoped he would be, minus the entire <laughs> the entire Los Angeles adventure we have with him. But he is back, and he's playing great football the last two games. Kiko Alonso was exceptional. I have been very hard on him, but he was great in man coverage. He was great blitzing. He was great in his run keys. Just a fantastic game from him. He forced the fumble that Rashad Jones picked up and took back to the house. I didn't think that Cam Wake had his best game as a pass rusher, but the good thing was as Charles Harris did, and he was a menace in the game, had that kind of game-clinching sack there towards the end of the last series for the Titans. So great to see him coming alive. The secondary, Cordray Tankersley gives up two short receptions. Xavier Howard had a big pop himself and gave up a couple of catches here and there, but he was okay for the most part. Bobby McCain I thought was great again in this game. I'll know more on the film for you guys. This is just kind of what I saw off of the broadcast version. But you take this defense with all those young pieces, all these early draft picks they've used the last couple of years, and you add Raekwon McMillan and Tony Lippett next year, and all of a sudden you've got a young defense that is producing and, and could really be one of the better groups in the league if they continued playing the way they are. The number three takeaway, and we're going to take a turn to negative town here and talk about the Dolphins quarterback situation and all those fans booing. My, I think my favorite shot from today on the broadcast version was they showed a fan who had one of those like Las Vegas tall and, and skinny like red mixed drinks that you get at the pools in Las Vegas or whatever down there. And he was holding one of those with his throwback, I think Ryan Tannehill or Indomitian Sujers or whoever it was. And he's sitting there. You can see him vi visibly saying, we want more. And that, I mean, he was joined by the rest of the crowd. I thought that was kind of funny because after the game today, Adam Gase took to the podium and they asked him about a quarterback change. And he said, well, who do you want me to put in there? And they, they said, well, the fans are talking about Matt Moore. And he goes, well, we're not going to take a public poll for the quarterback position. I'll, I'll decide who plays quarterback. So I liked that. But at the same time, I also didn't like it because I'm so confused by Adam Gase's message here with Jay Cutler. You know, he goes out and he, he basically pleads the guy to come out of retirement. He we heard that he kind of had to be coerced to come, to come back in to play football for the Dolphins, and I'm sure $10 million didn't hurt either, but he had to be kind of convinced to come back, and Adam Gaze was the one that was the brain trust behind that signing and bringing him in. So if you trust him enough to plead him to come out of retirement and try to transition this offense from a position that was in to a similar one with familiarity from a quarterback that has played here before, why is it that the play calling doesn't seem to trust him at all? Because Jay Cutler's out there with not a lot of not a lot of rhythm, not a lot of you know ingenuity, not a lot of things that are going to make defenses think twice. And without the threat of a good running game because the offensive line's playing so bad, we'll get to that here in a second. 
and without the ability to kind of do some misdirection and that kind of things, you really hamstring the offense. So if you don't trust him, go to Matt Moore. But if you do trust him, let's see more of that involved in the play calling. So Adam Gates has to shoulder his blame for that. But at the same time, Jay Cutler has been absolutely horrific. He's seeing ghosts in the pocket at this point. That interception he had where he kind of ducked around and, and bounced off of the offensive lineman and then picked it up and just threw it randomly to some to a receiver that you know was covered and it got tipped up into the air and picked off. That was atrocious. He took a couple of bad sacks where he faded way back off of his back foot again, underthrew a ball in that same situation. The Dolphins receivers didn't help him out a lot. They had a couple drops again today. Uh, Jarvis Landry had a bad drop. Jakeem Grant had one that I guess you can consider a drop in the end zone, but I thought that was a tough catch to make. Kenny Stills had a a questionable drop as well, but Jay Cutler just not throwing on target, not on time. He's taking too big a sacks. He's got the boneheaded mistakes are showing up now at this point. So Cutler has been an unmitigated disaster to this point, and I would go to the backup quarterback at this point if I was in charge, but I am not. Adam Gazes, we have to trust in his word and see how uh, if he can pull Jay Cutler out of this abyss that he has fallen into. Takeaway number four, I'm going to be brief on this one because it seems to be one every week, and I'm going to pair two positions together. So the offensive line and tight ends, and not really the tight ends, just one tight end in particular. Julius Thomas, you guys know how I feel. That third down drop he had today, that ball was underthrown, but you got to make that catch. Just terrible, terrible, terrible stuff. So I can't believe he sells a job. That's all i got to say about that. Offensive line, Laramie Tunzel. I want to see it on film before I get too into it, but he looks like he had another rough day there as well. The left guard's a disaster. The right guard's a disaster. Mike Pouncey's not having any special kind of year. Jawan James continues to be the best offensive lineman for this team, but I don't really recall his performance either way. So like I said, I'll get a, I'll get that checked out for you guys on Wednesday's show, the film review show on Wednesday. But offensive line is just kind of a wreck and... I guess when your offensive line coach is, you know, doing drugs in the building, then that's probably what you get. And lastly, takeaway number five, I just kind of wanted to freelance on some things that I think the Dolphins could do to try to get better offensive performance from this group. I mean, we've talked a lot this summer and this offseason on Twitter, wherever you were talking about the Dolphins, you were talking about Devontae Parker, Kenny Stills, and Jarvis Landry is the best receiving core in the NFL. J.J. is a top five running back. Offensive line, you know, Mike Pouncey and Jawan James and Larry Tunzel together. That's a great combination, all these good things, but it has not gone that way. And I think that there's a number of reasons for that. And obviously, I've talked about the quarterback and the play calling and the offensive line and everything. But I think one thing that you have to do to shake it up at this point is put some different personnel in there. And we saw it with Damian Williams a little bit today, we saw a little bit with Kenyon Drake last week. Jakeem Grant got into the game a little bit. He had a chance to make a touchdown catch. Like I said, it was a tough catch. I, I don't expect him to make that catch because the defender broke it up and made a good play, but he got himself into a position where he could compete for the ball. And you see a little bit of juice about Jakeem Grant where he kind of comes in fired up. I mean, today the Dolphins were lacking energy again on offense. I just can't fathom why that's the case. But Jakeem Grant comes into the game. He's a bit of a spark plug. And I watched some of the Rams Seahawks game today. I also watched the night game with the Chiefs and Texans. And I don't want to compare Jakeem Grant to Tyreek Hill too much because the only thing similar about them is that they're both really fast and they're both really short. But but Tyreek Hill is one of the most unique players I've ever seen play the game of football. So to compare Jakeem Grant to him, I feel like is a slight to Tyreek Hill. But just because they have similar body types and everything and speed, that's you know that's where you get with that. But also in that Rams game, Tavon Austin, he does some of the same things that Tyreek Hill does in terms of using that jet sweep motion. And when you take that jet sweep fake across the formation, and the, and the Chiefs do so much good stuff with that, whether it's the shovel pass or the option or the, the actual handoff on the jet sweep, it's all something the defense has to account for. It keeps guys guessing. It keeps linebackers from 
diagnosing too much pre-snap because when you have that fake jet sweep, you have to get around that edge to honor the fact that they could hand it to Grant because if you don't go on that edge for the linebacker, all of a sudden he has an alley between the, the tight end and the receiver to hit it up in there, and he's running full speed. He's a punt returner, so he can make a big play. So you have to honor that. And what this what the Rams did was they ran Cooper Cup across the other side of the formation on a little throwback play, and Jared Goff hits him for a big gain. It's easy, easy football, and it all happened because the backside linebacker had to honor the speed of Tavon Austin coming across the formation. So I would get Jakeem Grant more involved in the offense. I would get him snaps in favor of Kenny Stills. Today was because of Devontae Parker being out with the ankle injury, and he went out, I would say, in the first, second quarter, sometime in that area, did not return. His status remains unknown for next week. We'll talk about that as the week goes on. But I would say get Kenny Stills out of the game for a little bit because he is he's doing nothing. I, I talked today about this on Twitter saying that they should probably file a missing persons report because Kenny Stills, you could watch, if you aren't one of the type, if you're not a person like me that watches every snap and goes back and watches the replays and see what happened, you could miss him in a game. The last few games, he's been invisible pretty much since that touchdown that he scored in the opener against the Chargers. So I would start cutting into his snaps a little bit, get Shaquem Grant in the field, get some different looks. I mean, Gaze has tried this stuff with the Wildcat the last two weeks, you know, one snap each game with the Wildcat. Today, Cutler comes off the field. And I knew Marquise Gray was going to throw that ball because I'm sure only the people that are real big nerds that go deep into the stuff know that Marquise Gray actually played quarterback at Minnesota for the University of Minnesota there in college. So I kind of had a feeling he was going to throw. He just <laughs> was a terrible throw. It was a throw the tight end would make, you know. So it was awful, but I, I at least applaud the ability to – or the the cojones to try something different. But I think he needs to continue doing that and do it with a little more – a little less reckless abandon, I should say, a little less wildcat. Just do some some jet sweep stuff, some fake action, some misdirection, that kind of stuff, and see what you can get with it. So those are the five takeaways. Rashad Jones is off, awesome. The defense looks pretty damn good, too. Jay Cutler is awful, and Adam Gaze, his relationship there really has me puzzled. Offensive line remains terrible. Julius Thomas should be cut, and the offense should give Jakeem Grant some more looks. Those are your five takeaways for the victory from Sunday's game over the Tennessee Titans. 16-10, Dolphins win. This is the Lockdown Dolphins podcast with your host, Travis Wingfield, at Wingfield NFL, at Lockdown Fins. Also, don't forget to check out the Lockdown Fins or Lockdown Dolphins website where you can find articles written by myself, Adam Vaccaro, Kevin Dern, and Mike Jastrobisky. Those guys are all awesome writers. I've known them for a long time. We'll have more stuff coming for you guys this week as well. But as for now, this is the Lockdown Dolphins podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield. Yo, everybody get up! Everybody get up! Everybody needs to understand that I'm more than simply a hype man for this rap group. Just like Geico is more than just a company that can save you money. Geico also has fast and friendly claim service so they can help you when you need it most. And while I do love being a hype man, I also love reading for children's audiobooks. Like Little Bo Peep, she lost the sheep and she don't know where to find them. Yo, Geico, expect great savings and a whole lot more. All right, guys, welcome back into the Locked on Dolphins podcast with your host, Travis Wingfield. And I'm here to tell you right now about mybookie.ag. You know, I do a lot of betting on college football and the NFL. This past Saturday, I saw a spread that I loved on the Washington State Cougars, and I pounced. I had a bunch of friends with me, and let me tell you this, it was a fantastic time watching the game with friends with a little bit at stake. And with mybookie.ag, you can go ahead and make that happen. 
The only thing more important than who you're betting on is where you're betting through. That's why I always tell people to go to mybookie.ag. Mybookie has been in business for years, and their reputation is rock solid. They do 100% cash bonuses, so you're off the bat. You're making money for doing absolutely nothing. They have the fastest payouts. It's just two business days. Trust me, that beats anywhere else on the market. You know who's going to win the game. Lay some cash down and win big today. Make your way to mybookie.ag. You win. They pay. They have in-game live betting the most rewarding player perks in the business and an all-new mobile site that makes wagering on the go a breeze. Join now and MyBookie will match your deposit for up to 100%. Use promo code LOCKEDON to activate that offer today. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. All right, it's time to go ahead and dip into the Twitter mailbag for your questions for today's game. And you guys know how this works. You ask me a question on Twitter on the thread that I post for it, and then you get a Twitter shout-out as well as a question right on the show. First question comes from FinFan318. That's at Schmidt underscore Robbie. He asks, we have anybody who can play left tackle besides Larry Tunzel? Bump him back inside where he played very well last year. Got to do something along that front five. And I do agree that something has to be done. You can't just keep on running this lineup out there and expecting different results every time. But I don't think that Larry Tunzel is the one that you move he is a natural left tackle. That That's what he played his entire career in college. I would imagine at high school too. He has very, very fluid feet, fantastic, smooth feet. He, I, don't, I don't know if I can pinpoint what's going on with him right now. I'll, I mean, I'll look into it more, but here's a guy that he had some ups and downs with injuries throughout the course of the off season. And he comes in back to playing left tackle for the first time with all this chaotic stuff going around on around him in terms of the Dolphin situation. I'm going to give him a pass for now just because he was such a great player in college. and He was such a great player as a rookie last year, and his two best games last year were at left tackle, I thought. So I'm not going to move him. What I would say would be a possible move, though, Robbie, is I would go ahead and put Jermon Bushrod on notice at right ta- at right guard. But I, I don't know what I'm going to do to replace them because the two, the two guard positions right now are being are just as bad as we thought they would be. It's not good. It's They're not getting it done at all in the run or pass game. So that's why I would look what you're going to do to replace them. I, I really don't have an answer for you. I'm not sure. But I think the Tunzel at left tackle is fine. And I think Jawan James at right tackle has been your best player on the offensive line. And then Mike Pouncey, obviously going to go ahead and keep playing center. Next question. I actually have two questions from the same guy. It's DJ Taylor at LaDon underscore James. Love that, that handle. First, he asked, how did Tank look? Cordray Tankersley talked about this a little bit earlier. I don't really have the knowledge of his film yet. I'm going to go ahead and rewatch the game again tonight and then on the broadcast and I'll watch the film on Tuesday. But I thought he was pretty good. Just two short catches he allowed today and he competed, you know, in the running game too. So no complaints from Cordray Tankersley. Other question is, I think, one that I can answer much more thoroughly. How optimistic are you about the offense coming together when the stretch of games, Oakland, Carolina, Tampa Bay, New England, Denver, New England comes to town? (laughs) That is really a murderous row. Not as far as defenses go necessarily, I mean, Oakland's pretty bad on defense. New England's pretty bad on defense. Tampa Bay is wishy-washy. Carolina and Denver are both incredible defenses. So at least the Dolphins have time to get ready to that point, I suppose, is the best way I can answer that. I mean, right now you got Atlanta coming up and then the Jets. I think they're going to be 3-3 three and three going into that Baltimore game on Thursday night, and Baltimore's pretty bad. I, you know, they, they're, they're just not a good team. So I think that's a game you can also get there, too. On the road, it's tough on Thursday, but... After that, you do start that stretch of Oakland, Carolina, Tampa Bay, New England, Denver, New England, Buffalo, Kansas City, Buffalo. That's a murderer's row of, of games for the Dolphins coming up. But 
I don't think the Dolphin the offense is ever going to get back to where it was last year because Jay Cutler is a big downgrade from Ryan Tannehill, and he doesn't seem to have put in much work this summer. I've talked about it a lot. Why would he put in any work? I mean, the guy was retired. He was going to be doing a TV show. He spent the last 20-plus years of his life doing football from you know spring camp in April all the way up until January when the season ends. So he's a guy that's been you know a football lifer, and he finally gets a chance to not do that. I wouldn't work out. I would be, you know, on the beach with my pants off with, you know, Kristen Cavallari if I had that opportunity too. So why would I expect him to when it's smoking Jay Cutler for, you know, crying out loud? So <clears throat> I'm not optimistic about it, DJ, unless they make a quarterback change. I talked about last week how you can't go to Matt Moore yet, but I think that this came, I, I'm, I've turned my tide on that. Even though if you go to Matt Moore and Jay Cutler becomes the backup, you probably lose Jay Cutler in, in, you know, in total. And then Matt Moore is your only guy. He's got an injury history, but I think that's your best hope right now for a spark. I, I think that expecting Jay Cutler to turn around after these last three games is it's not realistic. I mean, maybe one more opportunity because of the you know the fact that you were traveling all over the world, and you know this was kind of the first game to get back home and grounded, and the next week will be a regular road week. It's a a short flight, so maybe one more, I guess, and then a home game after that. But I, I'm not optimistic about it at all. I think the defense is going to have to carry this team, and then in 2018, they can be a really dominant group on both sides of the ball. And then lastly here, guys, just want to talk about kind of taking inventory on this team through the first four games. They are 2-2. Two and two. The AFC East is in a really funky spot right now with the Bills, Patriots, and Jets all 2-3-2, and or three and, two, and Miami's 2-2 two and two at the bottom. So they're in last place, but only a half game out of first place. Kind of a funky position to be in. But as you look at the first four games, Chargers, Jets, Saints, Titans, Chargers are one and four, Jets are three and two, Saints are two and two, and the Titans are two and three. So they've been playing some really mediocre, middle of the road type of teams. I, I don't know if you call the Jets that, even though the record says they are, but the Saints are a decent team. Titans had Matt Castle. So I think at this point, you've played about as bad as you can as a team. Defense has been fantastic, but I think on offense you've played literally as bad as you possibly can. I, I can't remember a start worse than this, and that includes the 2007 season and the 2004 season when the Dolphins were just completely inept. And before that, you know, being a younger Dolphins fan, I don't really have any bad memories of them being a horrible team because it was so good in the 90s and the early 2000s as well. I, I, I think that at this point you're, you're still not looking at a winning season. You're still not looking at a, even a 500 season at this point, the way they're playing. I think that... To be questioning the starting quarterback at this juncture in the season, to have these we want more chats coming chance coming down again is just a really rough way for Gaze to begin in his second year after the first year kind of started in a very similar fashion. But it's crazy to think that the record is better than it was last year because even at the lowest point last year, I never felt like this offense was anywhere near this bad this year. But I guess the defense was much worse last year, much worse off last year as well. So I'm very encouraged by the defense. I think that if this group continues to grow together and they continue to draft young pieces there, it could be a like a really you know fantastic defense. And once you get Ryan Tannehill back and kind of the offensive rhythm gets back going and they kind of retool some things here and there, they could be a better team. As for going forward the next quarter, you got at Atlanta, the Jets at Baltimore, and then home for Oakland. That If you can get two more out of that, four and four, that would be, I think, an achievement. But then even then, you're still heading into you know that murderer's row of schedules, scheduling. So... That's going to do it for tonight's podcast, guys. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a rating review. Check out the other Locked On Sports podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Also, check out the Locked On Dolphins website for the print version of this podcast with the four writers, Kevin Dern, Adam Vaccaro, Mike Jesterbisky, and yours truly, Travis Wingfield, myself. Follow me on Twitter at WingfieldNFL and check out thirdand10.com. 
Back tomorrow with another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Dolphins football. Fins up. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org slash catalyst.